Welcome to Women Transcend. I'm Jennifer Todd, and this is a podcast that explores issues that affect women and girls worldwide. Each episode, we dive into a topic of national or international significance and discuss the particular impact on women and girls and how they are able to overcome or transcend. With weeks left to go in the presidential campaign, a videotape was leaked which recorded Donald Trump talking about grabbing a woman's vagina against her will. It was sexual assault. In the days that followed, there were in total 15 women who came forward to accuse Trump of sexual assault, many with very similar stories, some even with evidence. The response to this from the Republicans was righteous disdain, a chorus of, quote, as a father of daughters. Many withdrew their support from Donald Trump in disgust. But my question is, why do you have to have a daughter to be upset by this? What about our sons? Shouldn't you be morally upset by this regardless of who you are related to? Trump went on to win the election and to gain back all of the support from the Republicans who had expressed righteous indignation, like Paul Ryan, who had said, quote, I am sickened by what I heard today, and then refused to share the stage with Trump in a Wisconsin campaign event. And then not long after that, Donald Trump was elected president. How did this happen? We can't make sense of this election without discussing hostility toward women. A great piece was published in Vox just after the election, which summarized some research by Glick and Fisk, shedding some rather startling light on this. Does Trump's win mean that everyone that voted for him hates women? This isn't the case. But what it does seem to mean is that there is something more subtle and more disturbing going on. It means that our society only values women under certain very specific conditions. It means that for many voters, Trump's toxic masculinity was a deep part of his appeal for them. It means that misogyny is thriving in our society, and it helped put Trump in the presidency. The subtlety of misogyny right now enables men to put some women on a pedestal but it's a very narrow pedestal and it's very easy to fall off. This harkens back to the age-old Madonna versus whore dichotomy. If women can be separated into good girls and bad girls and only bad girls get punished, it justifies male dominance and absolves men of blame for treating women unfairly. Only the whores get treated unfairly, and most women are whores or bad girls. This also helps explain why so many women voted for Trump. They believe the sexist stereotype, whereby men are the providers and protectors, and good girls get the good men who will protect them. Bad girls don't get that protection from men, so it's okay for them to be victimized. And this brings us to another dark aspect of our society related to misogyny, victim blaming. If a woman claims she has been sexually assaulted, one of the first things she might get asked by the person she is either confiding in or reporting to is, 
what was happening when he did it? Possibly code for, were you leading him on? What were you wearing? Code for, were you asking for it? If men wait until they have daughters to protect, to join the cause of gender equality, they'll have spent decades perpetuating the culture of male privilege. What we need is for parents to raise boys who understand the responsibility of owning male privilege and what it is and what it means. We need to parent boys to understand that misogyny is a part of our culture and we need to point it out whenever we see it. Is it fair that women don't get paid as much as men do for the same job? If a girl is outspoken, she gets called bossy or know-it-all. If a boy is outspoken, you might think he is strong or a natural leader. Is that fair? You won't have to look very hard to find teachable moments. And when you hear your son say something you think supports the misogynistic narrative, point it out and discuss it. Immediately. Why do you think that girl is pushy? What makes you say that? Would you have said that if a boy had acted just like that? It's up to us as parents to mold these beautiful little minds, full of hopefulness. We know that gender and gender stereotypes are learned behavior. So let's do a better job at teaching it to our sons. My guest today is Jackie Gorlick. She is a teacher, a blogger, and a mother of two boys whom she's raising to understand our culture of male privilege and patriarchy. You can find her blog at Right Where I Am. Welcome to Women Transcend, Jackie. Hello. Yeah, it's great to have you. I read an op-ed that you had written for Huffington Post recently, and I was really intrigued. And so I'm really happy to have you on Women Transcend to discuss. You wrote about raising boys in a patriarchy, which really piqued my interest because I think that this is something that very few people are talking about, and it's really important. We talk a lot about what we can do to raise strong girls, but sort of the other side of the coin is how do we raise boys to respect and support strong girls? So I really appreciated that. So as a mother of two boys, what made you decide that you want to help your boys understand that they live and are being raised in a patriarchy? You know, I think in some ways, It just comes up organically in our discussions about equality and fairness. I mean, kids very much want things to be fair, and they want justice and consistency. So I think as my oldest son started to, you know, get old enough that we had kind of deeper and more meaningful conversations along these lines, it just extends into a larger conversation about the society we live in and kind of the world in general. Um, So I think that it just organically lends itself to talk about what we see in our society at large. And, you know, in terms of making it an imperative discussion, um, I think obviously probably the recent election and current political climate forced the issue even more as we saw more on the news and we saw kind of an abundance of 
locker room talk at the highest levels and leadership decisions that didn't really resonate with what I was trying to teach my kids and what my husband and I want them to value. So I think that probably pushed us into the discussion more, especially with our older son. Yeah. Okay. So what does it mean to you to live in a patriarchy? I mean, I think for me, it's probably a combination of a few things as they relate to men in roles of power and influence and then, you know, the underrepresentation of women in positions of power and leadership. There, you know, the discrepancy in wages and then the normalization of objectifying women and the sexual aggression towards women. And I yeah. think... You know, that comes up. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. And and going back to the locker room talk, which goes so far beyond locker room talk. And, and yeah. you know, it's more <laughs> like, you know, sexual aggression and, exactly. and, um, and assault. So, I mean, this is a, a difficult subject really for for adults to wrap their heads around. How how do you explain it to to children and especially to boys? I mean, I think that's been a really frustrating part of all of this. And it's not like we wouldn't have talked about it anyway, but I think it forced the issue on a level where how it's such a contradiction. And so, I mean, clearly it's more than locker room talk. And I use that term because it's just, it, it's. Oh, such, sure. Yeah. That's ridiculous. That's on a serious yeah. note. How do we talk about, I mean, I don't, my child, you know, not to get, too personal into his life but you know he's not aware of of certain things yet being a fourth grader that have to do with women and men and what what goes on consensually so to talk about it against consent is very difficult so I do have to kind of dance around and pick and choose what I'm going to expose him to but I think overall you know for kids I think we can start kind of at the basic level of respect and equity and asking for permission to touch someone's body or be in their space and respecting their answer and respecting that that means no and it doesn't mean well let me talk you into it so I mean I think we can talk about those things on that level and then as it becomes more appropriate we can talk about things as they relate to other concepts that he may not be aware of yet Uh uh-huh have you come across any barriers in them understanding the issue or honestly societal barriers you know we can we can have a safe space at home where we have these discussions and and you know they understand and then they watch they they are exposed to media that doesn't support what we're saying or they go to school and things that they're hearing from their friends don't support what you're saying how do you deal with those kind of could potentially be barriers to assisting young boys in understanding the patriarchy right I mean, yeah, definitely. I think you mentioned a few media just kind of all around them. You know, I definitely think that they they see around them in, in the things that you refer to, um, especially media. But we we do limit. I mean, I can't keep them in a bubble. And I realize that and that wouldn't be my goal anyway. But I do try to limit kind of what they're what they're exposed to in terms of media. And we don't do a lot of technology use yet. Um, but they will see women objectified or sexualized. And I think that's important to discuss because while at the same time, I want them to be able to respond to those 
that that part of our society respectfully and appropriately, I don't want to limit or censor women's ability to make choices about how they want to, you know, present themselves. So I think for me, as those obstacles come up, I think we talk about freedom of expression, but we also talk about self-control and how we respond to the world around us. Um, Uh The goal for me is for them to, to be able to respond to the world around them and it's about their response. It's about how they how they handle those situations respectfully. Yeah. Okay. So I guess maybe just having those discussions with your children and, and having them understand that it's okay to ask questions about things. And if what you're saying to them as a parent is different than something they see on TV or something that one of their friends says that it's, it, that it's sort of a safe thing to talk about. Is it, would you say that's fair? Definitely. I mean, I want them to be able to, I mean, my little one, you know, he's going to be exposed to a lot less and a lot, he has got a lot of different, you know, different things going on at his age. But for my older one, I think as things start to come up and especially as we saw through the election, when he would come home with misinformation, which he would, you know, and we live in California and we live in a pretty liberal area. So uh, there were a lot of kind of like-minded people in terms of, of feminism and the problems and the barriers that we see for women. But he would come home with misinformation at times. And I guess the way that I would handle it with him would be, well, let's look into this. Let's Let's read about it. Let's let's investigate this this idea that someone maybe put out there and he glommed onto, even if I was appalled by it. I tried not to, you know, I tried to educate and find our way to the to the answers and the truth, really. <laughs> yeah, sure. OK, you write in your blog about how you attended the recent march for women uh, on Washington, uh, which I also attended and you write how that was such a powerful experience and you you sort of were excited to share that ex- to return home and share that experience with your your boys and how they re- can you talk about how they responded to that um yeah i think leading into the march and throughout kind of the campaign and and the controversy and the heat of this election i mean my older son was privy to a lot. I mean, we tried to kind of, as we talked about earlier, keep some information from him that wasn't appropriate for his age. But we did talk a lot about the concerns that his dad and I had about what was happening with, you know, the election and what could potentially happen. But we tried to also just have hope and stay upbeat that things would go the way we hoped they would. And when they didn't, you know, he definitely saw how upsetting that was to our, to me and to his father. And we talked a lot about what it meant at the highest level and what it meant for him, you know, just day to day life. And he, he had concerns as because he'd heard so much going through the election. He had concerns about how it was going to affect our country and his, his day to day life. And even, you know, just our safety. And then I think on just the level of me being a woman and how it affected me, I mean, he knew um, on a general level, the misogyny that was taking place and that was so upsetting to so many women that that was a big concern that, you know, this was going to be a big step backwards. So I think talking about that going into it, he, he really did know that I was going to do something that was, you know, very unifying and that there were so many women going and that it was something we all believed in, but that I was kind of going for 
for our family, for one, it was a long distance for him to go. And two, you know, he just for his needs, he doesn't love big crowds. He doesn't oh, love sure. if it had been something that I thought he wouldn't, he would enjoy and he could participate in and it would be meaningful to him where he wasn't so overwhelmed, I would take him. But I just didn't think it was the kind of thing. So he, they watched on TV and they read about what was going on and they sent me text messages. And I mean, as you know, when you were there, it was very hard to communicate with anybody because it was this. Yeah, thing absolutely. Was yeah. <laughs> but it was we, hard to just move. It was so crowded. <laughs> but we kept in touch and I know that they were really proud that, you know, I was part of this and at the level that he can understand it, he understands that there, there are a lot of people who feel the way that, that I do and the way that our family does about what's going on with women's rights and, uh-huh. and the legislator as legislators and the legislation that could affect, you know, the things we're concerned about. Uh-huh. Why do you think that more moms don't realize that this is part of the responsibility of parenting a boy is to raise them to understand male privilege? You know, I don't know. I don't know if it's something that a lot of people even talk about. I mean, I think in some ways it's like so pervasive that it's almost invisible unless we call it out and make it visible. And so I think unless you've been raised in a family or an environment where it's something that you discuss openly and feel comfortable discussing, I think it's one of those things that, you know, a lot of, and even feedback from the, you know, the post I wrote was, oh, well, you know, you're shaming your boys and you're making your boys feel, feel bad for being boys. And I just don't, I don't subscribe to that at all. I don't agree with that at all. I think there's a big misconception that feminism is against men and that it's something that, you know, women who believe in, they dislike men. And I just feel the exact opposite. I think in many ways, feminism is the fact that we don't subscribe to this boys will be boys. I think my boys can be better than that. I think that I see all of them. I see their hearts and their kindness and their gentleness. And, and yes, I see their boyness, but I see them being capable of being held to higher standards and growing up to be men who have self-control and integrity. And I don't believe that because they have a Y chromosome that they, they can't be part of a landscape that is supportive of women. Uh Uh-huh. That makes a lot of sense. I did an interview recently with a woman from the organization Futures Without Violence, and we were talking about domestic violence. And the question that, you know, I had to ask because it always comes up, you know, why doesn't she leave? And her response was, well, I would answer that by asking you, why doesn't he stop? And that really struck me because we so internalize the patriarchy that it's always, I mean, we always sort of default to why doesn't she change her behavior? And that's why I so connected to the op-ed that you wrote, because we can raise daughters to to be aware and to be strong women, but we also can raise boys to understand the need to respect the other sex. What are your thoughts about that? I mean, I think it's very sad, but true commentary. I think that is the general knee-jerk reaction. I mean, even when you see women come forward with accusations of sexual assault or um, even just misconduct, you know, 
I think that the, a lot of people, oh, well, let's look at her. Let's look at what she was wearing or what the circumstances were as they relate to her before they look at the, the man and before they look at that role. And so I think that's really, I mean, I think that's a very powerful um, question is why, why, why does he keep doing it? Yeah. You know, I think in terms of the boys growing up and needing to know, I mean, they're going to have this inherent privilege because they're males. And so I just, I think they need to know how to use that privilege to speak up and to break down barriers and, and listen, really listen to the women around them and their ideas and their, and value them and their contributions and connect. So, you know, that when these things come up, there's, there's an impassioned, compassionate concern for what's happening to women and not a blame reaction to what's happening to women. You know, I think we've seen it. We've seen it in the landscape of our politics right now with men coming forward and using their privilege and using their voice to speak up. We've seen, you know, Gavin Newsom and Justin Trudeau and, you know, Governor of Washington, um, Jay Inslee. We've seen, you know, a lot of these men use their privilege and integrity to speak out when they see wrongs. And I think that, you know, that would be the goal at this fundamental level is just to have our kids, um, our boys, especially, but, you know, yeah. because girls tend to have to do the work, you know, girls yeah, have to, exactly. do the work to, to say, um, you know, this is the problem. Look at this problem and let me, let me do all the work to draw this to your attention and, and make change. And I think that, you know, we have to start seeing the, instead of the exception, we need to see more of the men coming forward and making it their work too. Yeah. That I, again, so appreciate your thoughts and the powerful op-ed that you wrote for Huffington Post. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Well, I mean, I think just as a parent and an educator, I think, you know, obviously I'm passionate about it. I think that it starts with us as parents, as the adults in the kids' lives. We have to model that respect for each other. And I think the a really important piece is that we have to model the intolerance for the behavior that crosses the line. We have to speak up. We have to call it out because when we don't, we make it invisible and we make it, um, we condone it and we make it okay. And I think that this, it's like a grassroots movement at our kitchen tables and the back seats of cars. We have to talk to our kids on play uh-huh. dates, birthday parties. You know, it starts, it starts with us. Definitely. So as an educator, do you see ways that the educational system supports the the patriarchy and things that educators might think about doing in in classrooms to change the dynamic? I mean, I think in many ways, education is filled with women. So if you're looking at just what kids are going to see, they see they see women in those roles. So I think on that level, um, there's a whole you know backstory that the kids don't realize that goes yeah. into women going into these roles, um, which is all part of the, in yeah. some part of the problem. But for them, they see us and respect us. I mean, I I know that my students look up to their teachers and love their teachers. Um, but I think you know in our classrooms we have to make sure that our bookshelves reflect the world and not just the bubble that we live in. And, you know, they need to be filled with books and stories of women change makers and um, women in science and technology innovators. We, you know, we really need to normalize the idea that women are capable and strong and add value in, in every corner of the world that they live in and that they're 
an important part of the of the puzzle. And then I think again, just when we see behavior or you know kind of or comments or things that don't resonate with us as they pertain to to women, but also just as they pertain to rights of all the all the kids and yeah. all the all the humans, we have to call it out. We have to make that a part of our of our teaching, I think. Great. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah. No, I really appreciate you joining us for Women Transcend to have this really important discussion. I hope this maybe ignites some more discussions with some parents of girls and boys. And let's hope the future is filled with boys who are are parented to understand the patriarchy like yours. Well, thank you so much. Our woman in the spotlight for this episode is Gina Davis. Ms. Davis is an accomplished screen actor who started the Gina Davis Institute on Gender in Media. She is also an outspoken mother of twin sons. She has helped to shine a much needed spotlight on the portrayal of women in the media and advocates for parents to help their children be more critical of the media they consume. She encourages parents to ask sons, hey, did you notice that only boys are in that scene or doing that activity? Don't you think that girls could do that too? So for this important work, Gina Davis is our woman in the spotlight. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Women Transcend. Be sure to leave a review for us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find your podcasts. That will make it easier for others to find us as well. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so you can be sure you won't miss an episode. It will automatically show up in your podcast player. If you like a particular episode, it's easy to share directly through Twitter or Facebook. A big thanks to Jackie Gorlick for speaking with me for today's episode and to John Philbeck for doing all of the fabulous sound artistry so we sound so good. Tweet us at Women Transcend or follow us on Facebook. We always enjoy hearing from you. That's all for this episode. 